T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Mark Reardon. The heart of America is not government. The center of America is not Washington, D.C. The center of America is the neighborhoods where 330 million Americans are raising their kids and trying to put food on the table and trying to love their neighbors. Mark Reardon. There's nothing worse than a reckless jackass who thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I am the smartest man alive! The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, 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 let's get going here for Friday Reardon Roundtable. Sue Thomas, first and foremost, in the house. Say hi to you as we will uh, get through the afternoon together. Hello, Mark. I'm very excited about this day because I'm heading to Howard County, you know, to uh, slaughter helpless animals after oh, the show. Can so we sure not that word it well, that way? Well, I mean, way. I guess I'm just being honest at this point. We'll uh, we'll cover that throughout the afternoon. Let me introduce the panel. Donna Berenger playing the role of Jane Duker this afternoon. <laughs> or I guess Jeff could be playing the role of Jane Duker. Yeah. Jane is off. Stay I'll let represent- Donna do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Donna, what you have to do is just talk nonstop, and then I have to shut your mic off and interrupt people, all of those things. You've been. You, you, not your first rodeo. I no, think you can do sounds it. Sounds like fun. That is. Uh, former state senator Jeff Smith, who is often with us as well. Jeff, how are you? I'm great. Good to see you. I'm sure you are, and we'll get to that as well. And former state senator John Lamping is with me, who spent some quality time on a very depressing election evening. Welcome back, John. You should have just stayed here the last couple of days. It would have been I easier. I feel like I did. Yeah. So let me let me start with uh, Jeff and Donna will have their say. I'm going to start on this side of the building real quick. Just where we are right now, John, because we we still don't have results. It's not looking very good for Blake Masters in Arizona. Zone. I think that's kind of out of the question at this point. I think Kerry Lake might still win. Laxall trying to hold on in Nevada. If that doesn't happen, then we're looking probably at a Democrat majority. Well, yeah, for sure. So um, I think Laxall actually of the two is going to be the most difficult. Uh, there's a, what's going on in, in Clark County um, is I, I don't have a sense and I mean, no one really has a sense of exactly what's going on there the way they do in Maricopa County. So Maricopa County uh uh, uh, Republicans did a really good job of ve- being prepared for this to possibly happen. And I, I, the information that I have and the detailed information that is available to the public, quite frankly, uh, is such that I think that uh, Lake's going to end up winning by five or six points. Like we know, we know the vote that's out and the vote that's out is going to break hard to her. I mean, uh, I should say, but at the beginning though, that what's happening in Maricopa County is third world in nature. You know, I, I hope that the midterms end before the end of the deer season, but they may not. But uh, but anyway, so back in I, I don't think they will. Yeah, yeah. Well, gotta, so it's about ten days here, and I don't think they will end. 
I think that I think Lake's going to win by a, a, a sizable enough margin. But I actually think she'll pull Masters across the finish line. Okay, I I don't see it that way. But Jeff Smith, what? You, so you you're just to be clear, you think Laxalt's going to end up losing that? No, I think he's. Uh, uh, well, I think it's I think it's that's the razor's edge. That's yeah. like a few it's thousand close. votes, a few thousand votes. Where right now it looks it looks better that he you know he's got a he's got a margin now that looks like he could win. But um, but I think the Republican Party doesn't really quite know exactly what's going on. Fifty thousand votes show up in Clark County yesterday. We don't know where they came from. We don't know about that. In, in Maricopa County, we, we have a very specific detailed analysis of what's out. Like it, like there's a whole universe. There's about three hundred thousand votes where there were mail mail out ballots that people filled out or, or had the mail out ballot, but they didn't trust the process, so they went in to vote. We had there's 223 voting centers in Maricopa County. And from the very beginning of the morning, 20 percent of them didn't work. There was not enough ink in the cartridge or something. And so uh, so, so what happened was is that people came to the center to vote. They, they either the machine didn't work. Or the lines were three hours long. They went back to their cars, got their mail in ballots, filled them out and then put them in a box. And there's 290,000 of those. Yeah, and you that can do that's what's amazing counted. to me that you can do that. You can fill out your ballot and you can drop it in same day. Now, look, I'm not alleging any kind of massive vote fraud or anything like that. What I would say is we got to figure out a better way to count votes. I mean, it seems like Florida can do it, Brazil can do it. Why can't states in this country wait. count votes in due time, Jeff or Donna? You yeah, uh, explain minute, this to minute, me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm on elections for the state. We passed our legislation, it went into effect for the primary, I mean, for the general. And basically, what it said in, in Missouri, you can now vote early. Two weeks ahead of time. Right, no excuse absentee, no right? Excuse, you call no excuse. I call it early voting, and it worked perfectly. Sixteen thousand people in the city of St. Louis voted before the actual election. So the night of the election, we had our numbers. It was in-person voting. We loved it, and we were able to do a citywide polling places as well. So yeah, but th- that's go. a little different than than filling out your ballot that day and then just dropping right. it in a box. Well, look, but that's just, why it's just, better. Pro- the way we're doing it is better than what I they're think doing. So too. Well, that's true. And, and and to the extent we executed, Missouri executed on their election law and and what we're seeing uh, you know second time around is Arizona cannot and uh, and Nevada is another place where they're, they're not doing a very good job. So and then California, you know, they've already said that the mayor's race in California uh, it's will be called weeks. for months. Yeah, it's going to take mean, December. Look, so. Jeff, no matter what what happens here, unfortunately, because of the process, people are going to land on conspiracies. Right? They're going to think that votes were oh, it's, stuffed. It's already in the out there. I know it's already out there. And and that's frustrating because I, I I want the process to work, but I also think we we have the right to know results within a couple of days, not within a couple of weeks. If these laws are resulting in counts that take this long, I think they have to be changed. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can talk about the details of the process, but we the election was fought on the you know you can't change the rules afterwards, and based on the results that came in. It was a pretty good night for Democrats. I would say so, unfortunately. And, you know, you have, if you look back over the last uh, near century in American politics, up until a couple nights ago, there were only two election cycles where the party in power in Washington, D.C. didn't lose seats in the midterm. One was in 1998, where Bill Clinton had just been impeached by an overreaching Newt Gingrich-led House majority. And when they impeached him, his approval ratings actually went up from about 55% to 70% because people were like, the economy's going really well and we don't want to get rid of this guy, you know, despite his personal behavior. The only other time was in 2002 in the wake of 9-11 when George W. Bush, you know, the country kind of rallied around the flag and he was very popular and then bludgeoned Democrats as being quote unquote soft on terror. Other than those two cycles, 
the party in power usually gets destroyed, usually loses 30, 40, 50, 60 seats. Well, that's a wave and, election, 30, 40, um, 50, 60 that, seats. Well, the average is is about 35. Right. And, and, and we saw significant waves on both sides in 2010, a Republican wave, in 2014, a Republican wave, 2018, a pretty good Democratic wave. This was the first midterm in really since 2002, uh, 20 years, that we didn't see a big wave. Okay, and we quick can talk question. about why. Quick question, yeah. Yeah. Why? The number one reason why? Two words, Donald Trump. I, I don't think that's the number one reason why. I, I do no. think it's a contributing factor. Yes. The one thing I would say, and I do want to be careful because I'm not a big Trump person, but the, the piling on is, is probably a little extreme at this point. Plus, his brain's going to explode, so we got to be careful about that. It just might splatter all over whatever format he's using right now. But... John, I'll start with you. Reason, why did this happen? I mean, we, we were, I was surprised. I was on the rosier side of this. I think a lot of people were. And by the way, a lot of Democrats were, you know, present company excluded. But you know, Jeff, a lot of Democrat consultants had kind of bought into the notion that this was going to be a bloodbath, right? Absolutely. Okay. So we can, we can talk White House. We can talk why Senate. I think why Senate is, is uh, more interesting. So, um, so let's talk about why Senate. Why, Senate why, why haven't we picked up through, you know, 52, 53, 54? So let's talk about what is, what is Donald Trump's role in this whole process or what his role was this election cycle. So he went in to, to the Senate races and he endorsed candidates. And when he endorses candidates, he doesn't give them money. He doesn't set up a pack in that state with strategists. He doesn't participate in the political process itself. He lends his endorsement and he's willing to raise money. He did like 50 fundraisers for his candidates. The, the person whose job it is to win Senate races is McConnell. McConnell raised and spent a quarter of a billion dollars. McConnell has a PAC. They hire strategists. more they're, than that. It was $400 million. Well, they're, they're in the states. Okay. And so what McConnell chose to do in the primaries is he chose to support the non-Donald Trump person, and he spent tens of millions of dollars attacking the Trump candidates. In some cases, he won. Like in Colorado, he won. But in the other places where he attacked the Trump-endorsed candidates, especially in, in Las Vegas, I mean, excuse me, in Nevada, in uh, in Arizona, in New Hampshire, that person came out of the primary bloodied because they were negative attack ads that McConnell was running. And then when that happened, McConnell took his money and left. And so there, you look at the amount of money spent in Arizona for Masters and for Kelly. Kelly's uh, Masters has spent four or five to one. McConnell spends nothing in that state. He takes that money. He spends. He, he moves. Well, he spent a lot in Ohio. And, well, he spent a lot in Ohio because he, he, he spent he a lot in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania too. too. Right, right. But that, just, his job is to win the majority. He also spent tens, ton, uh, a ton of money in Colorado. He spent a ton of money in Alaska to have Murkowski win, which is not to be determined till December. Which, when it's certainly going to be a Republican coming out of that okay, state. But if you're no, trying, no, you're trying to blame, I know Mr. McCowski is certainly going to be a Republican coming out of the state. In the in the congressional race, the outlawed congressional race, a Democrat won. Okay, well, the Republicans going to win Alaska in the Senate. We all know that, okay? We don't all know so, that. <laughs> we, we know that Lisa Murkowski is a great general election candidate in the race, but by your standard right there, it didn't work in the congressional race. You, you thought a Republican would win, but a Democrat won. So my, my point is in the Senate is that the job, the, the person whose job it is to win the Senate majority is Mitch McConnell. It's his okay, job. That, that's fine, John. But look, you, the quality of the candidate matters. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, we took care of business here in Missouri. Republicans did. And that was in jeopardy, too, because we know what happened during the primary. And Eric Schmidt was a solid candidate. He won going away with it, despite the numbers in St. Louis County. But Oz was a carpetbagger. He was a guy that wasn't a strong candidate from the beginning. I think he got better. He actually surprised me. I 
think he exceeded expectations. Herschel Walker, not a good candidate. Um, Baldick, not a good candidate. You can go on down the list. Some of these governors. Why did Mastriano get crushed in Pennsylvania? Because he was a terrible candidate. I, I, I agree. But, I mean, all Trump did was endorse them. Okay? That is what he did. He endorsed these candidates. He didn't run campaigns. He didn't run the Senate campaign. He didn't run the House campaign. He didn't run a gubernatorial campaign. So you, if you blame him for picking the wrong person, it, there's a lot more that goes on beyond that. Well, I, I agree with that. I think that this is multifaceted. But to, to pin this on McConnell at this point, I yeah. think, is unfair as well. Why don't we bring this to the Missouri? What happened in Missouri? Because that's I, I, I there was everyone thought there would be a wave one way or the other. And there wasn't. And I love to look at numbers. So usually midterm. When you look at the elections, I looked at the Republican races in the rurals and normally, you know, two, three thousand people. I was looking at races that were garnering seven, eight, nine thousand in the rural areas in Missouri. But they didn't do a big wave because we picked up three seats. Yeah, Democrats picked up three seats in the House, right? Uh, yes. And they were good candidates. It goes back to good candidates and good field work. But the other thing I saw, I have 11 polling places and I spent the entire day going from polling place to polling place. And then we all get together that night and say, well, did you see anything different? I saw something I have never seen before. I saw more younger women voting in my district than I've ever seen. So I think the influx, because I think Trudy Bush Valentine helped that get the women vote out. Locally, I think and she I, did. I don't and know I about think statewide. That's what, that's what changed as in it equaled out. That's why there wasn't a big red wave or big blue wave, because red got theirs out and blue got theirs out. So we're we the, the, other, the other thing I want to mention here, Jeff, I want you to kind of chime in here, but Ted Cruz made this point yesterday, and I was kind of piggybacking off this, and I think, John, you might have even said this on Tuesday night, that when you use this as a, an example in Missouri here, um, let's say Vicki Hartzler was the nominee. I still think she would have won, but she had never really run statewide, right? Nope. Eric Schmidt had run statewide. Oz hadn't run statewide. Don Boldick. A lot of these candidates didn't have the infrastructure. This politics game is very complicated, right, Jeff Smith? So you're, if you're untested, if you haven't been to every corner your state, if you're a carpetbagger like Oz, that's not going to play in your favor. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even compare Vicki Hartzler to those folks because she'd been in politics for, you know, 20 years. That's right. As a state rep, progressively more responsibility and more territory as a congressperson. She knew the game. Uh, whereas Trump just plucks these people from obscurity because they're deferential to him or they're willing to say whatever he needs them to say, which is denying the results of the 2020 election. That's why he plucked Bull Duke from you know relative obscurity in New Hampshire. It's what he did with Dr. Oz. He likes these celebrities. So he was attracted to, to that aspect of Herschel Walker, who probably had less understanding of public policy than my nine-year-old. So when you take candidates like that or candidates who are totally out of the mainstream philosophically, like Blake Masters, who also had has like anti-charisma, then you end up he elevated them. He bound them to positions like election denial. Uh, that were totally away from the median voter in those states. And so you can't polish a turd. No amount of money that McConnell could have spent in some of these places would be enough to put them over the top, even though he did try in Georgia, in Pennsylvania, in um, Ohio. You can't say that he didn't. He did everything he could. But once Trump had anointed them, then it was hard for anybody else to win those primaries. Well, what part of this, though, was driven to Donna's point? Because I think we underestimated, on my side, Dobbs. Do you agree with that? I mean, if you look at the single women voters in particular, the 37-point swing to the Democrats, that's a monster number. Yep. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. without a doubt, Dobbs helped, and we saw foreshadowing of that in Kansas. Do you mm -hmm. agree with that, John, that Dobbs did play a role? Well, Dobbs significant? Played, Dobbs, in certain areas it plays yeah. a role. But, I mean, we picked nine points with women, did we not? 
Republicans overall, did better yes. with overall Mary win Gordon, by yes. nine points. Look, the Republican Party is the party of the working class white men, working class white women, and married anybody. Okay, that's the Republican Party. If you're married, if you're a married man, you're 14 points Republican. If you're married female, you're seven points Republican. So if you're married, you're hard Republican. And, and then so things like access to abortion. Now I know that you have friends and there are listeners that are married that think that abortion is a right that women should have. But but it, that's not the issue for our demographic. What is the Republican Party? That's not their big deal. Hang on. We have two more segments of the Rear and Rounds able to go on this Friday afternoon on St. Louis's home for conservative talk, 97.1 FM talk. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, so Reardon Roundtable on a Friday afternoon on 97.1 FM Talk. Former Senator Lamping, former Senator Smith, and State Rep. Donna Berenger all in the studio with me. Uh, we think we're going to have an announcement from Donald Trump next week, maybe Tuesday, announcing his intentions for the White House. But he is beaten up on Ron DeSanctimonious. That's what he calls him. He's belittling 
the Florida governor who just had a hell of an election day. He's the one bright spot for Republicans, but he's just average, according to Trump. And here's the quote. He says, I'm only focused on the governor's race. I'm not looking into the future. Well, in terms of loyalty and class, that's really not the right answer. We have a civil war brewing right now. <laughs> brewing right now. John Lamping, how's this one going to manifest itself? Well, it's awesome, actually. Uh, I, actually, I think this is one of the silver linings from Tuesday night in my mind. I think what DeSantis did, he's pretty much cleared the field, you know. And going into the election on Tuesday, the, 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 our establishment started signaling some things. So about two weeks before, um, Paul Ryan kind of tweeted out, this is my guy, DeSantis is my guy. And then Jeb Bush said he was going to do a fundraiser for DeSantis. And, and then yesterday, Ryan did an editorial, said, that, you know, not Trump, DeSantis is the future. And then okay, the whole media well, but, did the but, whole— Okay, but there's, no, no. A, there's a lot more than just what you want to call the establishment that are behind Ron DeSantis right now. That, but, it's not just limited to Paul no, 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 Ryan no, no, and no, a few no, others. I, 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 look, there's—look, uh, I love both these guys. as politics. I love both of them. You know, and, and so what I think is great is what's going to be DeSantis versus Trump. And I personally think I'd love to see him get in a cage fight, go, you know, debate once a month for 12 months. And whoever comes out the winner is the winner. I think it makes them both stronger. Um, you know, DeSantis does have the support of the establishment. What what we know in this room is that you can be populist, you can be progressive, but it's really hard to win big things without your establishment at least being okay with it. And 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 so what we know is populist, and that's really kind of where I put myself is is that it's you're an uphill fight with the establishment. We just learned that in the midterms. So look, uh, I I think this is great. I think it makes him stronger. Look, uh, Ali Frazier. How many times they fight? Three times. It, it, they had different winners. What, what, it good made is, us what good is a debate between what is going to be accomplished? And we're going to get it. I understand that. But if Trump and DeSantis go at one another, Trump's going to only call names. He's already started it. This is what drives me and other people crazy yep. about him because he acts. In, and if I say a third grader, that's perhaps being generous. John, people are moving on. And I, I'm all for this debate right now, but I think it's ridiculous that we have to and, have and it. If, I think Republicans need to have a set of balls and make it clear. Not only the establishment, there's plenty of people sitting on the fringe right now or wherever they are that are done with it. And they want to move on and they want to win, by the way. So you can rip on the establishment all you want. But if the populist guy is going to lose by 10 million votes the next time, what the hell good does that do you? The populist guys will like DeSantis. I think they will. But they need to see the old line go down. They need to see the, the other guy get punch drunk. And so well, that's that might why. be true. Yeah. So <laughs> if, if, if you think that a, a, a knockdown drag out for the next 12 months between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis is going to make both of them stronger, you, I would suggest you ask Lion Ted Cruz, Little Marco, or Low Energy Jeb how much stronger they got after getting eviscerated by Trump rhetorically. Yes. This will help the Democrats. We're going to sit back, watch it, the show with our popcorn, and they're going to clearly show us and lead us to the way of how we're going to pull more votes our way. That's how I see it. If they have this debate, this cage fight, and DeSantis has declared the winner, clean sweep. But who declares him the winner? How the is public that determined? Will. The public will see it. And, and, so and, what and you know what will happen if DeSantis has declared the winner? I'm sure Donald Trump, one of the most magnanimous people in public life, will just endorse DeSantis yeah. immediately, yes. raise money, lend his time, treasure, and well, talent to Marco, the DeSantis he nomination. He called Little Marco his best friend last Sunday, so maybe because he he's not because he's not, you know, competing. preparing to run against yeah, he's him. Not okay, what you guys don't have any experience with is I know the Trump supporters. I know who they are. They're around me all the time. They're not political people. They're just ordinary people, and. And uh, they came up to me, a group of them came up to me the other other day. They said, "Dude, 
enough with Trump. We're behind DeSantis. These guys don't have no, a clue. No, no. Hey, look, political I, I'm people. going to Howard County right. to hunt with a bunch of people who could. Right. I'm, I'm when I turned the corner off Route 102 in Howard County to my friend's farm, which is named Donald J. Trump Boulevard because he's got a sign on there and he's got a deer stand that's named Trump Tower. These are people that have moved on. Mm-hmm. They've they've moved to DeSantis. They're ready for DeSantis. Yes. And, and and it and the little Marco stuff, it worked because little Marco wasn't ready to be president. And low energy Jeb was freaking low energy Jeb from an elite political class, okay? Well, he's not wrong about that. Yeah. So look, so so my only my concern about the whole circumstance is that DeSantis's people will tell him, ignore him, ignore him, ignore him, just go slow. Like they won't let the cage fight ha- happen because what the establishment is most concerned with is this populist wing of our party. That populist wing, I'm telling you, is ready to rally behind DeSantis. And the way that will work is if DeSantis beats up so Trump. That's a good point because I don't I don't think that's out of the question that the strategy might be ignored for a while. Do you think that that's possible? I mean, that's currently what DeSantis and Youngkin are going to do right now is just, you know, let him continue to flail online and, and say whatever he says. But at some point, so right now, people like us are paying attention. But you know, the average person isn't paying super close yeah, attention because the to average person wasn't paying super close attention, apparently, to anything in the last two years based on what happened on Tuesday. So, yes, I agree with you. Go ahead. <laughs> and the, the point is that we're we're in close to a 50 50 country. Right. The U.S. Senate's probably going to be 51, 49 Democrat or 50 50. The U.S. House is probably going to be like 218 to 217. It's going to be incredibly close. Both. And the popular vote um, in the last few elections has been, you know, very close. So that means that if some you know, halfway significant percentage of your own base has an issue, you're going to lose a national election. If Donald Trump spends the next year railing against DeSantis and then loses, there is some percentage of the Trump cultists that are not going to go along with voting for DeSantis, especially if Trump, and you can't say it's impossible, decides to mount a third party, you know, independent bid, or in some other way decides to try to sabotage DeSantis. If you think that 100 percent or even 95 percent of the MAGA, you know, lovers are going to just go along and switch to DeSantis with the megaphone of Donald Trump railing against him. I just think that's nuts. No, but I think a good portion of them will. The other thing about DeSantis that you little... can't have just a good portion yeah. because the country is so close. Yep. If might even be true. one that of 10, if even yep. one of 10 of the Trump diehards decides, well, I can't support the guy who my guy hates. You're going to lose. No, a I, and I understand election. that. But John Lamping, the other thing about this is we're sitting here. We've already started, right? It's the it's the Friday Reardon Roundtable <laughs> after the midterms. We're already talking about the presidential race. But <clears throat> DeSantis is young. He's untested but, nationally. He he could make mistakes. He's got a little fiery personality that could maybe get him in trouble. I like that. Some people like that. But to anoint him at this point isn't that risky as well? Mm-hmm. Well, we're talking about it because Trump is declaring yeah. Tuesday night. Okay, and and so my my fear for this cage fight is that if it I agree with Jeff, if this doesn't happen until 2024, then there's not enough time. Okay, I want this fight. Now, look. Uh, get sworn in as a governor of Florida, go through the holidays, not January, not February. If this cage fight starts somewhere like in the late spring, early summer, and it happens in 2023, it's going to be pretty obvious to all of us who the winner is by the end of 2023. And that's enough time for uh, for the uh, the populace that are supporters of Trump to coalesce. Like, I'm of the opinion DeSantis will win this cage fight. You know, I like both these guys. I think DeSantis will win. And when he wins, like the dudes that, that stopped me in the gym the other day and said, what's up with, you know, what, why doesn't he move on? 
What determines the winner of the case? You say the public, but if we're not voting into the primaries until 2024, I, I'm just trying to decide because a poll's not going to work. It just didn't work this week. By the po- third, polls don't work anymore. I don't know if you noticed. No, by the don't. third Republican debate the, in, in Trump cycle in 2015, we all knew who the winner was. You knew who the winner was. It wasn't Je- it wasn't uh, Low Energy Jeb. It wasn't Little Marco. You know, the winner was, it, it was pretty easy to see. We didn't believe it because here's this guy, Trump, attacking these people. But you go two or three debates and he tries calling the sanctimonious to sanctimonious and it doesn't work. But isn't that all going to help their side? Yes, In it 2024, is. if that happens, what I just described happens in 24, yes. <laughs> it happens in 23, there's more than enough time for that, for, the, for that wound to heal and everybody to move on. So the other thing... Um, I think ultimately DeSantis is going to be a stronger candidate, uh, certainly than Trump. But he doesn't have a lot of the things that Trump has. He doesn't have for all of his, you know, sickness. Small hands. He's got small hands, I think. Um, He is like barely taller than me. So that's an issue. (laughs) Um, But I think people maybe underestimate that, you know. Trump did have some kind of sick, perverse comic genius that did connect with people. DeSantis doesn't have that. Well, that's actually true. I think because well, I think Trump got misunderstood a lot when he was trying to be funny and he kind of was funny. And to your point, there there is that it's a sharp knife and, and maybe DeSantis comes off. I don't know that there is a, an observation there to be had. I don't disagree with that. that. That's certainly the risk. But if you look at the laundry list of things that DeSantis did well, in the last two years, you know, going after Fauci, going after Disney. I mean, like he did things that the populace, that the mega populace just absolutely loved. And my understanding, I know people that actually knew him from Yale. He goes by J.D. They call him J.D., by the way. Uh, um, uh, R.D., excuse me. R.D. is what he goes by. Uh, He's charismatically challenged for sure, okay? But uh, he's a fallback on, you know, being prepared. And I think what what he did by his actions as governor these last two years are, that's just like, uh, that's just perfect uh, log on the fire for the mega people. I mean, he did some very unwoke things. He took everything woke, and he did it in a great way. So, you know, he'll be prepared. Well, and, kind of, and here's the other thing. I know we don't like to talk about this, but he kind of governed, too, right? Governed the hell out of that state. Yeah. So that, you know, if you want to look at the other things that might scare your side, Jeff, is Miami-Dade and the Hispanic numbers, that, that's got to alert you a little bit to some problems, right? Yeah. I mean, it, Democrats are struggling to have the same margins that we sort of thought would be inevitable with, with uh, Latinos. And that's not just in Florida. Uh, Florida is a special case because you have a lot of Cubans um, who reflexively are just totally anti-communist. And to the extent that Democrats have a small wing of our party that's like the Democratic Socialists of America, that hurts us you know, in, in perception with uh, Cubans. We also have been struggling in South Texas with Latinos. So that's why we thought 10 years ago Texas would be in play by now. But it's still not quite, you know, we, we can't get over the top there. So, yes, that is an issue. I'll tell you, though, I'm not a Republican, but if I were, the candidate who I think would be your best bet for 2024 would actually be Brian Kemp in Georgia. He's the one who this like, first of all, he's very conservative (laughs) philosophically. That's not going to happen. um, But you know what? Like he showed in a primary, he beat a former U.S. senator who could sell fun. He beat the crap out of him. Seventy five to 20. I think it's a great story. Came back and beat our rock star, Stacey Abrams, by almost 10 points. But here's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to talk about. Your presidential candidates, because they're a whole lot more fun to talk about. J.B. Pritzker and Gavin Newsom. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app.
the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives, streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Well, the Friday Reading Roundtable after the midterm is a really crowded one. We almost need two hours. On the panel, former Senators Lamping and Smith, State Rep Donna Berenger. Donna, who is your presidential candidate going to be in 2024? Would you like to take a stab at that? you got any <laughs> names for me? Is it one of Jeff? I mean, well, no, I, it's probably more. I mean, mine's not ready. My pick isn't ready. But it's it's more likely now that Biden would run again right after Tuesday. Isn't that the conventional wisdom? Not yeah. that we know anything about conventional wisdom these days. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I think ultimately, uh, you know, if you had to bet today who has the highest percentage chance of being the Democratic nominee, you'd have to say Biden. Um, that said, I think he ultimately will not be the nominee. Um, I think we'll probably have a free for all. I think we'll see Kamala Harris, obviously the vice president. I think we'll see Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. I think we'll see some other names like Mayor Pete, Buttig- former mayor and secretary, transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg. We'll probably see Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, um, and you know maybe just a, a whole younger crop and newer crop of people from throughout the country. Um, but what we won't see is the kind of cage match that I think we'll see on the other side. And I think ultimately that'll benefit Democrats. Let's talk some local yes. politics, Donna, because, you know, we can talk all this national stuff, presidential race, the United States Senate. But I think maybe what impacts people around here the most, sadly, is what happened in the Board of Aldermen race for president of the Board of Aldermen and also in the county executive's race. We knew it was going to be tough for Mark Montavani to beat Sam Page, but um, it didn't happen. So... The situation in the city with the progressives pretty much taking over, you used to be on that board. It's sad right now. Well, um, I looked at the numbers. So I looked at how many people cast a vote in the city. And I looked at how many people cast a vote for the president of the Board of Alderman Race totals, right? There's almost 5,000 people who voted for senator but didn't bother to go down and vote for president of the Board of Aldermen. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they don't know the power that they carry and what that office does. And that was key. And I don't think, unless you had a ground game that was going door to door, like I was, explaining that we have what's called the Board of Estimate and Apportionment and how important that is. Right. It's a powerful position. It's a very powerful position that people didn't realize. They just thought they oversaw these meetings once a week and that was their only job. So... That was my my biggest concern is not getting the message across of the importance. And it shows by these 5000 people that didn't even bother to vote in that race. But what my next concern is, is that the person who did win uh, while they were serving as aldermen, they could be quite the obstructionist sometimes in what they introduced and what they did and alienated some of these aldermen. So now they're in leadership. And as a leader, you need to be a consensus builder. So the question is going to be, are you going to be able to pivot? Because the status quo that you've been beating on all these years, you're now status quo. So the only thing that tells me that that's going to work is when we cut the board of aldermen in half. And just, you know, I worked in that campaign. I'm one of the people that ran it. It goes to 28 uh, from 28 20 to 14. 14. Right? So if the 14 are the ones that think and act like the board, uh, the current uh, president board of aldermen that just won, then they're fine. But if it's not, then there's going to be trouble in the city because you're not going to be in able River to build city. consensus. There's going to be trouble in River <laughs> City, Donna. That's where there's going to be trouble. Is is it somewhat, I haven't talked to Jack. Um, I, I text him, I haven't talked to him. But would it be even worth his while to try this again or will someone else try? Because this is a position that is also up for re-election in March. It's weird because this was the term 
to fill out what Lewis Reed would have done before he goes to prison. But so will Jack make another run? Is there a possibility of doing this again or is I, it just over at this point? Yeah, I mean, Jack took his shot yeah, and uh, yeah. he's, he's, he's not going to do it again. Can't yeah. blame him. So that means, and, you know, Green, right now, so Megan Green will probably win in the spring, is what you're saying. Well, if you just look back at the last yeah, several right. cycles at the Why city electorate, you? it's been favoring the the very progressive candidate. Jack gave it his best shot, and you know, it didn't work out. He's not going to cling to it. Yeah, but I, I that it, the fourth new fourth ward is all in my district, house district, and I was shocked to see that it was neck and neck. It was fifty Jack, fifty Megan, but I got all the votes. So I tell people, I said, I think when you're on the doors, when people know who you are, you have a shot. If I wanted to run citywide right now, I'm one of the candidates that has a shot. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of those situations. You know, we, we talked about this yesterday. It was actually, I, I really like this segment. And I would encourage people to listen. You know, our friend Hayes, who is right next to me here. Did we at just get a campaign announcement over no, here? No, we did not. Okay, I was well, just maybe. checking. <laughs> I mean, I was <laughs> just checking. This uh, Hayes from Y98 came in, and I found this out two days ago, that he had never voted. He's 43 years old. He'd never voted in his life until Tuesday. And I didn't want to judge. I think that's nuts, but I wanted to hear his story. And one of the things I think some of us forget is how many people uh, are intimidated by the process. So the people that you're you're maybe even criticizing a bit, they saw, they knew the importance of the U.S. Senate race. Maybe they wanted to vote in that. They just weren't dialed in. Now, is that them being apathetic? I don't know what the answer is, but let's face it. People don't stay as informed and on top of these issues, and they don't know what they're voting on sometimes. That is true. But that's when I get on my own. The other people, I'm a politician, and I say, are you talking, are you engaged with your voters? Because if you're not, then they don't know what's going on. And I'm very engaged and I take care of my voters. And the reason I say it that way is because I never tell them how to vote, but I certainly make sure they have all the facts so they can come to their own determination. But also remember, I was working the polls that whole day and exactly what happened with Cori Bush. All these young people working the polls, the liberal progressives, they're, they're students here, they're temporary, so they don't understand the overall implication of some of the things that are happening in the city. You need balance at the Board, uh, board of Estimate Apportionment because you need to make sure, I'm sorry, <laughs> you need to make sure that we don't, we, we have to balance out our city. Our city is not balanced yet. We have 400 well, new people just in my district yeah. that moved in. John, well, don't have a lot of hope for the city. Well, but it, maybe over we here. do have a little bit of hope on the panel today. So I would suggest maybe, Donna, uh, whatever power and influence you have in Jeff City uh, would be dwarfed by the power and influence you might have at the back of the Board of Aldermen. So uh, I know so you, it was a campaign announcement. No. That's what we just heard. Well, look, I'm ready to endorse her for the Board of Aldermen. Okay, God, <laughs> there you go. If, if that doesn't put her over the top, I don't know what will. <laughs> Yeah, I know well, how to work. I can, I can win in Democratic districts. Put me on the doors. I'm just trying or to make Donna. the point that we have enough people in this city that if they had all the facts, everything was put before them. It's not just a liberal progressive city. It's not. But we have to get the message out to everyone on everything that's going on in our city. I agree. And I'm a city voter. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how you, you do better with people that, that aren't paying attention and how you educate them more. You can't knock on every door if you're a candidate. It, well, I'll tell you, my enduring, you know, memory of, of that or my or kind of what was formative for me, my first race in 2004, I was running to succeed Dick Gephardt, you know, for Congress. He had just run for president and sort of flamed out losing Iowa. And, you know, it was a huge national story. And we were his congressional district. And the number one question I got at the door when they asked what I was running for was, how in the hell are you going to beat Dick Gephardt? <laughs> they didn't understand that he wasn't 
running again because yep. he just lost the presidential race. So <laughs> No, you know, that sums up a lot. And you know, I had this moment the other night where my wife was asking me, I told this story, like, what, what's going on in Arizona and Nevada? She sees that it's on TV and everything, and she goes, and sometimes she's like, look, you, you have to understand I have a third grade level compared to you when it comes to this, which is an underestimation. But she doesn't stay as dialed in just because that's the nature of what she does and she's working. People have their lives. We're in this bubble, and I think that bubble is maybe drowning out some of the real voices out there sometimes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you fix that. I really don't, especially when the media is only on one page. Yeah, it's scary because when when the people are not engaged, and I, I would go back, I would say, go back to the way we educate kids now. We don't teach civics. We don't, you know, there's, we barely teach history. And, and so those kids become adults and then they're not asked to participate uh, in the civil society and, and play a role in the community the way, uh, you know, we grew up with Dads were soccer coaches and moms were soccer coaches too. And all, I mean, all those things have changed. And, and so we have an electorate now that it, that they just tune out and they tune out to the, to the greatest, you know, huge percentage. And that's probably the reason people say that people get the, the government they deserve. And more and more, it looks like the electorate you know, doesn't care. And one of my fears on the tuning out, and I think this happened certainly a couple of years ago, um, and I'm a guy who wants people to listen to issues and everything, but the, the cage fight's going to tune people out because they can't take it. They, right. You know, I heard from a lot of people two years ago where they're just like, I, I don't want to talk about politics anymore because it's stressful and we're not getting anywhere and there's more apathy. So, yeah, those of us in the bubble, we're going to love it, but I think a lot of the regular people are going to just be driven crazy by this, and it's going to happen no matter what. Lamping, great to see you. Thanks for the see other you. night. Donna, thanks for the campaign announcement. We'll be going door to door. We'll get the signs printed up. Jeff Smith, I still owe you drinks and dinner and all kinds of stuff. I lose every bet to Jeff Smith. And then I never pay him off either. Oh, Thanks for coming in. That's great. Yeah, You're well, welcome. you know, I'm just I'll collect soon. I'm honest. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 